Hey, redheads and everyone else listening. I'm Stephanie. I'm Adrienne, and today's episode is really cool. We are talking about the Enneagram. So if you don't know about it, or if you love it, this is the episode for you. We're also talking about confidence, loving yourself. And with the Enneagram confidence and loving yourself, there is no better guest than Sarah Jane Case. We have known her for over a decade, right, Steph? Like Mm -hmm. she has been in our lives for, I think, 11 years? Yeah, something like that. And what's really cool is everyone has certain chapters and new adventures and new endeavors in life. And we knew Sarah Jane prior to being what is she now, which is a trained Enneagram teacher and author of the popular self-help book, The Honest Enneagram, and host of a podcast called Enneagram and Coffee. But we knew her prior to all of this when she was a photographer and actually um, that's how we worked with her in with How to Be a Redhead in Asheville. So it's just really cool to see her take on this just new chapter and see her expert advice because Adrian and I aren't familiar with Enneagram. So it's going to be really right. cool to talk to her about it. And we've always loved just who she's an amazing person one and then secondly she just exudes so much confidence um adrian and i always say like the way she just rocks a red lip and it's I know. it's so beautiful you know and that's and throughout the years it's kind of funny we've met people along the like in charlotte or other parts of North Carolina. And then they're like, Oh my God, do you know this girl named Sarah Jane? Or we, people actually like, you know, because it's kind of so funny. I'm I'm sure everyone listening will understand. But when you're a redhead, you get asked like, if you know another redhead as if like, we all know each other. Yeah, right. So it's just, uh, but we always know Sarah Jane. (laughs) Yeah. And like our photographer that we use in Charlotte, she knows Sarah Jane. She's not a redhead, but it's so funny how we found out a couple of years ago that we were mutual friends. And what we're getting to the point is that everyone that we've met that knows Sarah Jane has always said amazing things about her. And she mm-hmm. we've always wanted her on our podcast, especially with talking about Enneagram, um, which is very popular nowadays. Everyone I feel like, you know, especially on social knows their Enneagram number. So we'll dive into what she thinks Adrian and I's Enneagram number is. Um because at first glance, I think that we know what we are, but it's just, you know, she's the expert. So it'd be cool for her to say, yes, you are this or no, you're this. And this is the reason why. Um, and what's funny is Pam, our producer, knew Sarah Jane. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I know. I feel like <laughs> I feel like so many people know Sarah Jane. So uh and our podcast producer isn't even in North Carolina. So it's, she's really she's reached a, redhead, a wide base of people. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Sarah Jane too proves that for anyone who's like, I, I think I'd love to see her journey so much because she started off when we knew her, she was a photographer. Mm. And I know that she has followed so many talents of hers to get to where she is today. And I'm sure yeah. she's going to be discovering even more talents in her life. And I think she has found a lot of power in the Enneagram. And so I'm really interested in knowing how she has used the Enneagram to grow herself and build herself and maybe even gain more confidence and learn to love herself. Because I think when you grow up, I don't know if you feel this way, Steph, but I always feel like people are comparing you to how like a 
a great human should be. Mm-hmm. Like a great human should do this. They should have this job. They should be in this box. They should have maybe maybe they should get married at a certain age. They should have kids at a certain age. You know what yeah. I mean? And I just feel like the Enneagram gives you that power to be like, hey, this is what you're best at. This is what your talents are. Don't question the road that you're on. And I mm-hmm. think that that's a really powerful thing to know that you don't have to compare yourself. Steph, we talk about how yeah. our society is always about comparing yourselves to others. And I think when you live in a world with just a lot of people and a lot of family and a lot of friends, you're like, God, am I on the right path? Like, should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? And you have to stay true to yourself. And um, no matter what you're going through in life, you know, just know that your life is great and it's, and you can always make it better. So I definitely can't wait to call Sarah Jane. I mean, we've been wanting to have her on this podcast for the last five seasons. So if you don't know her, we will put her Instagram and her book and all of the information that you need to connect with her in our podcast notes. And she is great because she helps people to find their perfect balance between self-care and growth so they can release shame on their path to do less harm. So that was Sarah Jane's wonderful sentence that she sent over. But as you can see, so much more articulate Mm -hmm. than what I was just saying. But um, I didn't even read that before. So it's really funny because I was thinking about the Enneagram. and, And of course, she said it perfectly that you can release the shame on your path um, to do less harm. I love that. And her new book, The Enneagram Letter, is a poetic exploration of who you thought you had to be, released last October, and it's now available wherever you buy books. But Steph, I haven't even told you, but I know we get so many DMs on our Instagram, but Sarah Jane teamed up with a coffee company. And so it's like the coffee company times... Sarah Jane. So she's like teaming up with a coffee company and her name is like on packaging. We actually just got the coffee delivered to our warehouse. I haven't even told you yet. That's Um, awesome. Yeah. Isn't that great? So she has a passion for coffee as well. So we will put this up on the Instagram, on our Instagram stories. So you guys can see her book and see the coffee and really get inspired by... Yeah. Isn't that so great? Mm-hmm. She has a passion for coffee and she so does. does her husband. So we'll definitely talk to her about that. Yeah. Um, but Steph, let's call her up. Yeah. Redheads, have you heard? We added our first hair care product to the How to Be a Redhead beauty line. It's called Finely Glossy and it's a shine and luminosity shampoo for redheads. Like all of our products, it's clean, vegan, cruelty-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free. Give luminosity and radiance to your red hair without color depositing. Redheads, we can now rejoice. Finally, there are products for us. Shop Finely Glossy and our line of brow and mascara products. Finally have brows and finally have lashes at shop.howtobearedhead.com. Hi, Sarah Jane. It's Stephanie and Adrian Vendetti from the How to Be a Redhead podcast. How are you? Hi, I'm so good. How are you? Good. Oh my God. We are so excited to talk to you. We miss you. You know, we've known you for so long. I don't know if our listeners know that, but we already did a bio about you before this interview started. So they know all about you. And we always like to start off the podcast by asking, how was it like growing up with red hair? What was your personal experience like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I miss y'all too. And I, you know, growing up with red hair was strange because it was simultaneously, I would get so much positive attention from older people. Like 
people would just mm. give me money in the grocery store like you I love your red hair like here's a dollar and like my brothers <laughs> would get really upset <laughs> but I also at that time didn't love that you know I felt like I couldn't of course I was like going into public and everybody was like staring at me or talking to me or asking me the same questions over and over do you, you know is your hair natural I'm like five um you know or I know yeah. someone who has red hair you know we're having the same conversation I've had that same conversation since I was three years old and I'm you know 37 now and I'm still having it um so in some ways it's beautiful and amazing and other ways it's like all right kind of tedious um yeah and then yeah. in school you're like different, you know? And I think when you're in elementary school and middle school, all you want is to be the same, right? You're like, I just want to blend in. I want to like be, no, if there's anything about you that's noticeable, people have things to say, you know, people point it out. And so that was hard. And then as I got older, I started to see that as a good thing. It took, you know, a lot of work, but yeah, at first it was like, I don't want everybody to stare at me all the time or to notice me as much. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, I feel like you're, it's so accurate. Adrian and I have talked about it for so long about how you're so young, you don't want to stand out. And then as you get older, mm-hmm. you're like, oh my God, no, I want to be different. And being unique is awesome. Yeah. And it's I want, such a journey. You know, it's such a journey of like, I hate, to, I know it sounds corny of self-love. self-love. Yeah. It's yeah. just... It takes so long to just finally embrace it. And I don't know about you, Sarah Jane, or even you, stuff, but I forget that I have red hair. Like, I just look in the mirror. I'm not like, oh, it's red. And I just oh, yeah. forget about mm-hmm. it <laughs> until yeah, someone's same. like, great color. And I'm like, oh, I have red hair. I forgot about it. <laughs> I had a moment yeah. watching the show The Servant. There's a redhead in that show. And she yeah. was wearing like really bold, bright colors. And I was enraptured with her. Like I was like, oh my God, look at her. And I was like, oh, that's what I look like. <laughs> like yes. my coloring. But I don't think of myself like that. I just kind of like getting going through the day. Um, yeah. like, that's yeah. why people like stop you because it is like shocking. It's kind of jarring to see someone that bright. It is. Right. Especially if you are a redhead and you are wearing bright colors and Mm -hmm. a bright lip or whatever the case may be. And then you're out and you're like, you already give so much attention as with your red hair. And then you're also giving attention by wearing these bold colors, but it takes, took Adrian and I again, talked about this for so Mm -hmm. many years. It's taken a while to embrace color. Um, Mm -hmm. and knowing that, okay, I can wear like pink and red and, I just bought a lilac purple shirt the other day. I would have never bought that years ago. So I'm excited to wear it for springtime. But (laughs) yeah, that also is a journey to accepting what you're wearing. Yeah, I feel like people followed me around my entire life saying, you're an autumn, you're an autumn, you can't wear red, you can't wear, like just like loving Mm. to tell me what I could and couldn't wear. And I had this conversation with my husband the other day and I was like, I think I might be like a spring or a summer actually, but I, I yeah. get to wear whatever I want. And I like the way it looks on me, those colors, or I'm drawn to those colors. So who, like, I just have all these yeah. in my head. <laughs> yeah. Same, same. I know. I actually found out recently that I'm a spring, which I always thought mm-hmm. I was never that kind of those colors. So it's interesting what you find out about yourself as your again the journey of just I guess yeah like being in your twenties is such a learning experience yeah. and then you're in your thirties and you're like wow holy holy crap yeah 
Yeah. Speaking of journeys, though, Sarah Jane, um, you know, we've known you for so long. So um, just before I even say it, I want to for our, for our listeners who don't know, how, like what it is, we're doing one on one here. It's Enneagram, 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 Enneagram. Is it? My, that's right. Enneagram. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I wanted to say it on air. So I, so other people are like, wait, what? I, I want to make sure that I'm saying it correctly. Um, okay. So once you, you have a lot of talent, Sarah Jane, we know that because we know you, but um, you dabbled in a lot of your talents like photography, mm-hmm. and then you found your niche with Enneagram. At the time of this recording, you have 473,000 followers. So how has this all come to be? And like, we're so happy for you. So Take us and like, what on how it started and what is, and what is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I found the Enneagram as I, I was a coach at the time. I was doing burnout prevention and recovery coaching. And a friend of and I met at a party and she was like, I have you heard of the Enneagram? And I'm pretty sure she heard me talking as my type and was like, we need to talk about it because I, I can see you. And um, so went home, took the test, mistyped, took me two years to type. And in that journey, I was obsessed. I just fell in love with the system. I started to see patterns in my clients. And essentially what the Enneagram is, is it's a system of nine personality types. Each personality type has a basic fear, a basic motivation that impacts the way we show up in behavior. So What's really cool about this mm. is it it gets underneath what you do and into why you're doing it. So as a burnout prevention and recovery coach, I was doing, here are some systems we can put in place. Where are the boundaries you need to set? Here are the ways that you could run your business that would work better for you. And then we find the Enneagram and it's like, why aren't you set? It's telling me like why you're not setting boundaries, why your systems are the way they are, why you continuously overwork. And so we could go much deeper, much faster. So Mm. each of the nine types are essentially the water you're swimming in. So you think everybody else is in the same fishbowl with you. So I think everybody must want the same thing I want, be afraid of the same things I'm afraid of. So when they act in a way that doesn't make sense to me, it feels like they're doing it on purpose. Like, well, everybody feels like they're supposed to be in integrity, doing the right thing, constantly reforming. And if you're not doing that, then like you're bad. Like, why Mm. why are you being bad? And Okay. realizes like, oh, we all have these nine different motivations, nine different basic fears. And we think that's what it means to be a good person based off of how we survive. Wow. Okay. So how does someone find their type? Mm -hmm. I honestly say there's a lot of quizzes. I just think skip the quiz. It's very easy to mistype. And read the descriptions online. Enneagraminstitute.com has great descriptions read the descriptions, see which one makes you the most uncomfortable or like the most seen or followed around. And that's the one. It's so in-depth and so intricate that it feels exposing. When I read mine, I thought someone had read all of my journals and published them on the internet. Like Mm. it's so uncomfortably intimate. I have to say yesterday I was going through a deep dive after we like Stephanie and I were talking about it. And I was like, oh, I wonder what my husband is. And I think I found him because it says under addictions, caffeine addiction. And he had a caffeine addiction. And I was reading it and I was like, what? And so I just thought about it when, because like that's how specific it was about addictions and personality. And it was like, it just, I was like, wait, what? It's part of his personality. And I think I understand what you're saying, Sarah Jane. It's 
it's almost relieving to know that I think a lot of people put a lot of pressure on themselves that they're not good enough or they should be like this. You know, they see that they see that someone's there. I think people in social media are constantly comparing themselves. And I think as a human race, we compare ourselves a lot and it's unhealthy. So then to mm -hmm. find that you are your unique self and you just work in a different way is empowering. Yeah. And, you know, this is a little like psychologically nerdy, but there is this Carl Rogers, I am theory of self-esteem, which is essentially to have high self-esteem, your ideal self, your true self, and your perceived self need to be as close to aligned as possible. So mm. if the trueness of who I am isn't matching up to the ideal of what I think I'm supposed to be, but also isn't matching up to how I present myself to others, then the further apart those are, the lower chance I have of having high self-esteem. And the Enneagram is like, an access point to understanding your real self, like why you do what you do, how you're acting in the way, kind of unconscious behaviors that maybe you're doing on autopilot and maybe you're not even aware of. So as we seek to bring those three things together, it's really helpful to have an accurate representation of like, here's how I really am, <laughs> both mm. good things and things that aren't working. Because once we can accept that, I think that that's really our key to self-acceptance is in the parts we're a little bit more uncomfortable loving or appreciating. Right, right, right. So so for listeners who are listening, this is new to them. Um, this is not astrology and this is nothing about like the stars. This is about personalities and what type you are and how you can be your best self. Yeah. And I would say it's more akin to like coping mechanisms yeah. and how you've kept yourself safe this far. That's really beautiful. May I ask what you are? Can you tell us what what you are? And I don't know, even your husband too. Like, do you do you mm -hmm. do you work on your relationship together based on your? Is it called a chart, or what would you refer to it as? Your type. Your type. Yeah, your, your type. type. Mm -hmm. So I'm a seven, which is I want to be happy. I want to be satisfied. I want to keep my options open. As Since we've known each other, I've done a lot of things, right? I've been a photographer. Yeah. I've been a coach. I've been a marketing director. I've owned a marketing agency. Now I teach the Enneagram. Like This is a very seven career path where it's like you change and you shift and you evolve very naturally and kind of rapidly. Um, so that's me. A lot of change, a lot of high energy. And a lot of positive thinking. And then yeah. my husband is a four. He's basically my opposite. He is like deep in his feelings. He wants to feel every feeling to its fullest degree. He wants to go slow and be contemplative and like romantic. And he's that's very nice. into creativity. That is so nice. <laughs> oh, he is so, yeah, that's so sweet. That, that describes him. him. Yeah. 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 Um, he's like a, he's like the prototype of a soft boy and I love it. And he loves that about himself too. Like it's very, like he's very sweet and gentle and emotive. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Adrian and I were looking at the chart. I mean the types and mm -hmm. we, I think I'm a six, a loyalist and Adrian, I almost <laughs> certain is a challenger <laughs> is an eight, but yeah. I think I have to dive more into it personally to see what I think, Adrian, you picked me out as a loyalist, but yeah. I was going to do a quiz, but then I started looking at all the questions and you're right, Sarah Jane, like, mm -hmm. it's like, pick that. And I'm like, do I pick that? It's, do I put it in the middle? Like, is it, well, I don't know what to do. And I didn't want to get a wrong answer, mm -hmm. but we think that's what we are. 
Well, Stephanie, I had you before we got on. I was like, I bet Stephanie's a six. And then Adrian, okay. I thought you might be an eight or a three. So when I saw really? like those are the two you were thinking wow. of, I was like, okay, yeah. yeah you right. know, okay. you, you really know your stuff, <laughs> wow. obviously. Yeah. No, because when we – that's so that's so great because we were going to ask you if you – from knowing us, but – I definitely think, okay, so now I feel confident that I'm a six. So now I have to deep dive into what exact, what like everything is that goes into being a six. And can you tell us too, it has a lot to do with what your fear is. Like they, they talk about your fear in it. And I have to say that is my fear of like not having control. I I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Um, (laughs) And that, yeah, that like, it really, like when I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, that's some, I, at first when I was reading about it, I was like, I don't think I'm fearful of anything. And then when I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, I'm fearful of not being in control for sure. I don't like that feeling. I feel like I'm going to be hurt in some way if someone has control over me. Yeah. Um, that's actually a very eight thing to say. Like, I don't think I'm afraid of anything. Um, because <laughs> the internal message is like, I have to be strong. I can't be vulnerable. I can't be weak. And so if you, mm-hmm. yeah, the fear is actually the thing you're afraid of. It's like, I'm afraid to be fearful. I'm afraid to be, ha- be controlled yeah. because that's not who I am. I'm the strong one. Yeah. It's a number one thing in my marriage that I have to work at is it's really hard for me to be vulnerable. Yeah. Even with someone I've been married to almost 11 years, I'm still mm-hmm. like, it's really hard for me to be vulnerable. And even from a very young age, I felt like I was going to like be on my own, like at six years old. Like I remember being like, I'm not ready for college yet, you know? Yeah. And my parents would be like, calm down. You have like 12 <laughs> years, you know? But I was always like, so like I needed to be in control of my own life. Like when I got my driver's license, it was the best thing that ever happened. So I'm sharing these stories because mm-hmm. when I was going through the long list on number eight, I was like, wow, your life makes sense. Mm-hmm. You're not crazy. Yeah. And we and each have wings on either side of our number. Um, okay. So my wing is eight. And in my marriage, I if I have a vulnerability, I come to it with strength. I'll say like, you oh. can't talk to me like that. Instead of saying that hurt my feelings or I feel that made me feel sad, I'll say like, you're not allowed to talk to me like that. And he's mm. like, hey, whoa, I'm on your team. <laughs> like, yeah, um, yeah. And But I will push with protective mechanisms instead of inviting in softness. Oh. And Adrian, we didn't talk about this. Obviously, we're sisters, but we're business partners. Do sixes and eights get along or yeah. how is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, they have their similarities. So both tend to be slow to let new people in. Um, So they tend to keep their circles pretty small and they trust each other a lot because both tend to prioritize, can I trust you? Can I count on you? And so they tend to show up for the people in their lives and be reliable. And one, you know, eights are much more like protective and they are, they feel responsible for other people and sixes are much more loyal. I don't want to let you down. Yeah, mm. that's exactly us. That's yeah. so crazy. So, Sarah Jane, when you meet someone, do you try to like? How do you? How do you? Can you like right away tell what someone is, or it takes you're a like, conversation? Oh, you're type two. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I can have my guesses, but okay. I really like it because it's motivation based. I like to stay in the space of like I probably don't know, um, because I want everyone mm. to tell me who they are. And I want to stay curious and open because if I come to you and I say like, this is who you are, I know everything about you. um, It's actually pretty limiting, right? It's like putting you into a box, telling you Mm. you're exactly this kind of thing when 
we might have the same Enneagram type and have completely different life experiences and growth journeys and um, look completely different. And I don't want to assume that I know you based off of my first impression. But then once you do know, (laughs) but then once you do know someone, do you change the ways, like say someone's difficult, okay? And you know, like say Mm -hmm. it's a family member, family members can be like Mm -hmm. the most difficult people, right? Because they're so close Mm to you. Do you base your actions and how to talk to them based off of their type? A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Um, Mm. Especially, you know, there's certain types that I know really well, um, like eights, especially if I'm teaching in like a corporate environment and the eight is the one who brought me in, I know to be much more efficient and quick and direct Mm. and to the point because I can feel them saying like, you're taking too long. You're, you're being inefficient. You're making this, uh, you're rambling on. And I, so I try to keep it really direct and to the point. Um, and then in families, you know, I think it's even more helpful sometimes to recognize my triggers. So, you know, obviously most of us are more triggered by the types that are our parents. So I, my yeah. mom's the two. So interacting with two sometimes, sometimes bring something up in me. And I recognize, Mm. oh, I see the patterns of my behavior when this goes on. So sevens, when we're triggered, tend to, we can become harsh. We can become kind of cold. Um, We can close people off and we can run away. And so if I notice Mm. like, whoa, I want to run away, I'm getting a little escapedist, I'm shutting down, or um, I can feel myself kind of going cold, I'm triggered. This isn't about the other person, okay. right? Like it's like, what a, what can I do right. to calm myself down and react in a way that's more in alignment with who I want to be? Yeah. Wow. wow. We need to figure out what t- what types mom and dad are, Adrian. And I'm sorry if I don't know this, but it seems like this would be like like a psychologist or psychiatrist. They must use this mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to a lot of to help their patients with their clients. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would think it would be extremely helpful to know who you're dealing with, right? And like how to help them and point them in the right direction. It gives you so much language as well as like as a starting place for explaining yourself and expressing how you see the world and how you experience the world. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like my whole life, everyone's been like, you're bossy, you're bossy. And I'm like, well, actually I'm a, I'm type eight. (laughs) Yeah. You should start saying that now. I'm a type eight. (laughs) I just learned it yesterday, but I'm really going to hold on to it. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And I think there's like, um, like you talked about, like the work is in learning to be vulnerable, but also with female eights, right? You get, I'm bossy, I'm bossy, but male eights get, you're a leader. And so I I think that there's some sense of like claiming that space as leader. You know, we need all of the nine types of the Enneagram. There's a reason they're all, we're all here. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, our greatest strengths are also often our struggle areas or our growth opportunities, as we like to say, right? So, um, you know, as a seven, my strength areas are like, I can do a lot of things. I can try a lot of things, kind of like Renaissance person. But then if I'm not careful, I can forget to go deep and really commit to something for a long period of time. This is the longest I've lived anywhere, the longest relationship I've ever been in, and the longest job I've ever had. And that's through like actually learning that like, oh, I give up when things are hard or not give up, but I like Mm. move on because I'm so afraid of Mm. settling. But at the same time, I'm grateful for that skill. And when overused or used at the wrong time, it doesn't always serve me. Yeah. Yeah. And as I'm, as we're talking to you, Sarah Jane, you know, um, 
I always think when I think of you, I think of like light and I think of like self-confidence and yeah, you have a lot. Yeah, you have just, yeah, you have a lot of confidence in yourself. And we know so many feel this way when they meet you, um, of course, and follow you on social media. So can you tell us how you gained so much self-confidence and love for yourself? We heard about your journey being a redhead, but was this always the case? Like, when did you feel like, okay, I feel really good. Like, I feel like I am powerful and self and confident or is it, is it still a work in progress? Cause I feel like that is for me, but you know, um, how did, how did you end up how confident you are now? Yeah. Great question. I think everything in my life told me not to be for most of my life, right? I'm red hair. I'm always been in a fat body. Like everything in the world was like, you shouldn't like this. You should constantly fix this. You should be worried about this. Like this is a problem, like pale skin, like things that like, you're not supposed to love media is like you should yeah, hate tanned and, bron- say, tanned and bronze yeah. is the way to be yeah, yeah. tanned yeah. and bronze and like hip with bones, like a six you know? pack <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like good for her but like that was never me and I think mm-hmm. you know most of my life my family was like fix yourself you know stop being this way and oh, you know society yeah. was saying that and people at school were saying that and I was really good at faking it until I made it right. Like, so in my Mm. childhood, just kind of being like, I'm going to constantly pretend like I feel better than I feel. Um, and then when I got into college, I started to focus more on enjoying my life than being perceived. And I think that that helped so much. I love that. Yeah, Yeah. I was just so focused on like having a good time and having fun that how I looked when I was doing it mattered so little. And then from there, I worked on how can I love my body? And I started to focus on like, well, I want to just spend a lot of time naked. I want to like see what I look like all the time and like really just notice Mm -hmm. myself because I I thought about a crush that I had one time and he had a little bit of a belly and I loved it. Like I was like into it. And I was like, the more I look at him, the more into his belly I am. And I was like, I feel like if I did the same with myself, it would be the same. Like the more I just Mm -hmm. like see, Mm -hmm. the more I observe, the more I appreciate because beauty is in observation. And so if I can continuously observe, then I can appreciate. And I saw that so much as a photographer, you know, photographing so many different kinds of people with different body shapes and different skin tones and different like, you know, beauty marks and scars. I fell in love with all of them. It's not hard. You know, you just look long enough. Everybody's freaking stunning. And so giving myself that time, giving myself that attention, it gave me a chance to love me. And from there, though, (laughs) this has been a journey. So from there, it was like, what if you don't have to love the way you look? What if it's like a neutral thing? What if the way you look is the least exciting thing about you at all? And so I think I had to kind of appreciate myself to even get to the place of neutrality. But Mm. neutrality feels so much healthier because I'm going to change. I'm going to continuously age and change. My body is going to change the way it looks as I grow. And as I get older, my hair color is going to change. So if I'm obsessed with my Mm. red hair and it goes gray, do I abandon myself at that moment? Right. Or do I just go like, oh, this is a new phase. Look at this. Interesting. who I am. Yeah. That's really hard. I feel like that's really hard. Even for me at almost 36, I'm like, 
Oh, it's like so hard for me to accept that I'm going to get older, but I ha- I'm listening to you, Sarah Jane, and that's such good advice mm-hmm. to just recognize like this is my new body. This is like, this is it. Yeah. You know, this is my new face. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think like part of that when it comes to when we talked about the Enneagram, I think a lot of times we learn to like ourselves based off of the things that we're good at or the things that are beautiful about us, right? So I say, I lo- I have red hair, that's special. Or I say, you know, I'm really good at picking up new skills and I like myself because of that. And that's great. I love that we can do that. But what tends to happen is we self-abandon in the places where we think love can't go. So if I say, I, you know, I sometimes escape too quickly or I quit things too soon and I can't love myself there, I can't name that with neutrality, well, then that's that's not unconditional. That's conditional love. And so I can't Mm. trust myself to love myself the way that I deserve because I abandon myself the moment I show a weakness. And so I think that what I want people to do is to lean into the parts of themselves they're most afraid of, like turn the light on in the closet and just look at all the things that you think are monsters in there and be like, oh, it's just a broom. Like, that's just a stretch mark. It's not a big deal. Or that's just like a thing you continuously do that you can work on, but also like, you're okay. Like you're reacting to something that happened to you in childhood and that's hard. And I love you. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it is, it's a work in progress, which I think it is for everyone. Yeah. Don't you think? Everyone. I mean, I was say that. you yeah. don't just get to a yeah. point. I think we were like, I'm perfect. Like I'm great. I think it's mm-hmm. just life throws you things and then um, you question yourself and then you go back and forth and you have days where you feel awesome. And then you have days where mm-hmm. you don't. Um, but I love that. I love what you said about everything, just about learning to love those areas that you kind of want to abandon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And thinking of it as it is a relationship, like it's a process and it's a relationship. And just like my marriage won't like one day just be perfect and we'll never have conflict and I'll never be disappointed in him. And we have to talk things out. It's like, it's the same with myself, right? I will be in continuous relationship to myself until we're on our deathbed and I will have to learn how to re-love myself, recommit to myself, build trust, build respect um, every day. And it'll, it's part of it. it love is that action. Mm. Yeah. Sarah Jane, this is why you're so full of light and love. <laughs> this is it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. And we wanted to point out your Instagram post called five self-care habits that you don't need that don't need you to be a morning person. We love this because Adrian and I are not morning people. <laughs> so what are the five self-care habits you practice? Mm. My top five, I would say, are yoga, uh, journaling, and movement of some kind, in addition to yoga. I think movement's really important for me. Mm-hmm. And I would say meditation and pleasure, like having fun mm. and allowing mm. fun in every day. I thought you were going to say coffee. Or, oh my God, coffee is pleasure. Because I know you want <laughs> I oh, pleasure, pleasure. pleasure. And I was like, does that count? Because <laughs> we know how much you love coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah, do, <laughs> do you know that I don't drink coffee? That I'm not a coffee person? I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, maybe yeah. somewhere I did. Yeah. Yeah, you get you drink green tea. So I drink green tea. Yeah, caffeine. but I feel like people who are who love ca- coffee find it to be lame. 
<laughs> but um, I understand, like, I understand people's love for coffee because I love hot drinks, you know, but um, when I see someone who enjoys a cup of coffee, there's so much delight in their eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think people get that way about matcha too. It's like, yeah, that's oh, true. Yeah. Special moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a special moment. So, and you mentioned journaling, um, which you post frequently about journaling. Mm-hmm. Tell us, you know, Adrian and I, we don't journal. We have um, one of our best friends journals every morning, Kira Adrian. Yeah, I was telling her and- about the human design mm-hmm. before you came on. Oh, yes. Yep, yep. And so I always think about her personally when I think about journaling. Um, like I practice a gratitude practice, um, try to every day, but it's not, I don't write things down. But tell us the benefit mm-hmm. you personally get from journaling and why Maybe our listeners, someone, you know, set might want to start, pick up a pen and start journaling. Yeah. Well, I think about that relationship piece, like having a true relationship to yourself and how when I'm in a relationship, what I want is someone asking me really good questions and listening to the answers and asking clarifying questions and inviting in a conversation. And that's really what the journaling process is for me. It's like, who are you? How are you feeling today? What's going on in your life? Um, Partially it's a documentation so I can go back and remember where I was and how far I've come. But also it's it's exploration, self-therapy, and a a, a place to hear myself, see myself, and respect what I have to say. Uh, And Mm. I would say it's probably the thing that saved me in my childhood. You know, like the thing that – I had a really chaotic childhood and it helped me. I always had someone to talk to, even when I had no one to talk to. Mm. Um, There's always a place to process my feelings, process my experience, to say what I really thought when things were really hard. And even when I felt like I was alone, I was never alone because I had like me and my journal. Mm. Yeah, That's so nice. You know, being being an eight, um, Sarah Jane, I Mm -hmm. have to say, I have a hard time journaling because I feel like it's vulnerable. Yeah. And like, what if someone reads it and uses it against you? Or what if I I don't want to look back and see my vulnerability? So I've never had a diary for that reason because I'm like, I don't want to see myself. But it's not about that. It's about being... I'm reading a book right now where the 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 main character she journals. She's an only child, and like she journals and she goes back and she reads it from like her childhood. I'm like, mm-hmm. I could never do that. Like, but I but I yeah. see the self growth and how important it is. So I'm I guess I'm just I'm I want to get there where I want to do that. Well, some people I have like worked with in the past, I'll they just burn theirs every time, or like rip it up really? and tear it up and throw it away. Oh. So it's like you get the experience oh. of doing it, but you don't have to hold on to it because some eights do fear that people will read it or that it will like their mm. vulnerability will get like exploited in some way. Um, and I think you probably have like you know Josh is like legit human, <laughs> so you're probably not like worried <laughs> about that <laughs> as yeah. much, yeah. but. Uh, you know, it is like you can always get rid of it. You don't have to go back and look at it. It can just be That's temporary and um, cathartic. Yeah, yeah, Adrian, you could burn it. I know. If you decide to start journaling. No, I do. Actually, if I've ever had a really tough time in life, I write things down mm-hmm. because I feel like once you write things down and tell me if I'm wrong, Sarah Jane, but it doesn't feel like that bad anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm like, what? Actually, like when you, when you hear yourself, it, it's weird. <laughs> Yeah. I give that advice to sixes a lot because they can get caught up in worst case scenarios or like what could go wrong. And so that's if you write sad, it yeah. down, that is me. 
Yeah. If you write it down, it's like the worst case scenario is often not as intense as it feels in your body. Yeah. Um, the practical actuality of it is like, oh, okay, that's actually something I could handle if it comes my way. But the feeling of it is a lot. So if we can get it out, we don't have to hold it in our minds or in our bodies. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I think that's why I always have to talk to Brian, my husband, about – I'm like, I just have to get this off my chest or like talk to you about this or um, can we just talk about something? But maybe I need to start journaling because, I mean, he, yeah, that's why I, I mean I'm lucky to have him. But at the same time, it would be nice to to just write it down instead of just getting in my head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, okay, we have to end this podcast episode obviously talking – about well we're getting we'll get into what you have planned in the f- upcoming months but we wanted to discuss beauty um when we think of you we always think of a you know your how you always wear a bold lip um and you pull it off so well with your complexion and the shades that you pick so um and anyone who's listening who will put your Instagram handle in the podcast notes so they can start following you and see all your gorgeous pictures and if they don't know what you look like you know they can see um but any advice for redheads who don't think they can rock a red lip or um yeah how have you been pulling it off have you been wearing it for so long that it's just kind of become you know something yeah. that you you put on daily um yeah i do think I've been wearing it for so long. I forgot what it felt like to first start. And I think it is partially like I was afraid. Oh, I was told not to wear red my whole life. I was also told. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I I think I was afraid of like being too much like, oh, like I have a lot of color already. Um, But honestly, I bought one and I started wearing it and I got so many compliments that that was like immediately taken away. And I think it was finding the right tone because I have worn reds that just don't look right on my Mm. lip. And and I think it's like, oh, it's not that I can't wear red. It's that there's hundreds of shades of red out there and I just have to like find the ones that suit me. So I like ones that have like a little bit more of an orangey tone and those tend to sit really well. And yeah, I think just like holding them up to my face and seeing like which one makes me feel more alive but also when I see redheads wearing a red lip, I'm always like, oh, look at her. She's cute. And yeah. I feel mm-hmm. more inspired. So I think if we can remember how it looks when we see other people and, and trust that it's the same for us, it it feels good. And the compliments help. Yeah. As much as yeah. we shouldn't rely on them. It's nice. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. So I, I don't know if you follow too, but like now that Jessica Chastain, like remember we had, we had no one oh, yeah. like – no one when we were growing up uh-huh. now to like see Jessica Chastain even like Julianne Moore like celebrities wearing red lipstick with red hair I'm like oh I wish that we had that when we were growing up because mm-hmm. it's so nice to see other people wearing it but yeah Sarah Jane when I think of you I think of you you with your gorgeous hair like in waves with a red lip oh I love yeah that. Well, I remember when I was younger, (laughs) the trend was, I mean, obviously no bold lip. I would put concealer on my lips to just blend in my whole face. (laughs) That's what, that was the trend back then though. Like to put, Mm -hmm. to make, like to put your face was too dark and your lips were pale. (laughs) So bad. It was so so bad. I look at photos and I can (laughs) see the concealer that I would put on my lips. And now, I mean, obviously I would never do that now. Now I love bold lips, but Uh again, back to the journey. It took me a while to embrace, 
I had two friends in college that really turned me on to a bold lip. And then from there, like, Adrian, remember meeting, oh, I forgot her name, but Lady Danger. Yeah, Mac, Dana Max. Orange. Yeah. She was like the first redhead hair we knew in New York City. She was a uh, fashion designer at the time. And she just wore the most beautiful orange lip. And we kind of had the same complexion. And I went to go buy it. And from there, like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I... You yeah, see, you, just, yeah, you get inspiration from one because you think it looks so good on someone else, and you're like, oh, yeah, I, especially a redhead. Like- you're, yeah, you're like, oh my god, I can, I can wear this. Yeah, I think that's one thing when you talked about comparison online. You know, I think it's so helpful mm-hmm. to follow people who look like you to just remember, yeah. like, to kind of normalize the way you look to yourself. And if we're following a bunch of people who like have a completely different beauty standard to us or like look completely different and are beautiful in a completely different way, that's amazing too. But like, especially if it's like societal beauty standards in one Mm -hmm. kind of person, they all look the same and we feel like it creates this like way we think we're supposed to look. Mm. But when we follow people who look like us, like both in body type or coloring, it's like you get ideas and you start to just see yourself as like – beautiful through seeing them as beautiful. And I think there's something mm-hmm. helpful about doing that. Speaking, I agree more, speaking of yeah. which though, how, um, you know, on, on Instagram, we have more control over who we see on our feed, right? Mm-hmm. Because we follow them. But TikTok, I feel like mm-hmm. I have to get off of it. Sometimes I feel like I start to go in a bad head place mm-hmm. because they're picking who you see. And mm-hmm. how do you, how do you feel about TikTok with everything, Sarah Jane? Me and TikTok, I have a very love-hate relationship to it. I delete it all the time. And yeah. I mm-hmm. um, I do do this thing like once a week where I try to train my algorithms. So on TikTok especially, I'll kind of spend 20 minutes going through and like liking and commenting on the content I want to see more wow. and skipping really wow. fast through the things I don't want to see. So that – because I get a lot of like diet culture stuff put on my feed and I, I don't want that. No, and so no. I try to rapidly – um, move through that and then comment on body positive content or yeah. people of color and, and things like that so that it, that's more of what I'm getting to see. And well, I, didn't it, I found it really helpful. I didn't even know that, that was a possibility. Mm-hmm. That's so yeah. cool. I know. I, I do not like TikTok. I would delete mm-hmm. it if How to Be a Redhead <laughs> wasn't on it. And it's just something like I don't post. I just, I yeah, like it's just, it's mine. I mean, I understand like the young generation loves it. And you, Stephanie, we do like, we do share TikToks. We're like, oh, isn't this cool? Like we do share. That's the thing. Yeah, That's the thing. I it do, loops I, you know, in. I do have to say, mm-hmm. I do like some of the organizational stuff, and I do like some of the recipes because me too. They make it really quick and easy. Like, oh, this is how to make an amazing. I looked it up recently. Like a honey salmon in the oven, and mm-hmm. it was like a thirty second video, and I was like, oh, good. Like this is what I need in my life. I can't have like a recipe that has like 50 ingredients. So in that case, it's really great and the organizational stuff. But sometimes, yeah, I tend to compare and then it's kind of like how I stopped. I stopped watching. um, I have some girlfriends that like love Real Housewives and Mm -hmm. the Kardashians and everything. And years ago, I had to stop because I was like, oh, my God, I'm finding like after watching the show, I'm going I want to buy stuff. Yep. And it makes you like want to go shopping. And you think that's going to get value in your life. You're like, oh, that I'm going to feel good after I get whatever that is. And you don't. You don't get that from material items. So, Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. T- I've bought like every organizational container that TikTok tells me to buy. It just is my, <laughs> it's, it's my organizational it a, master. 
I know, especially some of the people I follow, they're like, this is how to make your bathroom. Pam would laugh at this because we were talking about bathroom um, stuff earlier, but this is how to make your bathroom so organized. And then I go on their like Amazon store and I start adding everything. And then Adrian and I share a page. So I mean, I share an an Amazon account, but then I like sometimes never check out. So then I'll add it to my save later (laughs) list. But yeah, they get you with like stuff that you think you need. And then mm-hmm. some of the stuff though is, yeah, like the, org- cool. the organizational, yeah, it is cool. Mm-hmm. But some of them just like, why did I buy this? And mm-hmm. so, yes, it brings you down a down rabbit hole. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I know. So Sarah Jane, to wrap things up, we would love to know what you're working on now and what's next for you mm-hmm. for this year into 2024. I uh, Right now I'm launching a coaching program. I'm taking on one-on-one clients, which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, I really miss that element of my work, so I'm excited to get to do that again. And coming into 2024, I think there's going to be a lot more talk for me around creativity in the Enneagram and your relationship to yourself and how those three things kind of play together and inviting people into a healthier, loving relationship to themselves while also getting to creatively express what they feel passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. It's so nice that you can spread your positivity to other people, Sarah Jane. That's really... And your confidence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. That's so nice. That's so nice. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. Redheads, have you heard? We added our first hair care product to the How to Be a Redhead beauty line. It's called Finely Glossy, and it's a shine and luminosity shampoo for redheads. Like all of our products, it's clean, vegan, cruelty-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free. Give luminosity and radiance to your red hair without color depositing. Redheads, we can now rejoice. Finally, there are products for us. Shop Finely Glossy and our line of brow and mascara products. Finally have brows and finally have lashes at shop.howtobearedhead.com. So I'm an Enneagram six. You're an eight. I know. And I'm totally an eight. I'm totally an six. I knew immediately when I looked at it. Yeah. But I mean, I learned so much talking with her. It's always just something about talking to Sarah Jane just is so, I don't know the word. Um, Calming. Yeah. I was going to say relaxing. Like she... She really is just someone really great to talk to. She's so great. And I love her perspective on life. I feel like for someone like me who puts a lot of pressure on myself to work and to like do things throughout the day, I'm constantly like, I feel like I'm constantly pushing myself Mm. and to kind of know like that's just who I am and not to be so hard mm-hmm. on myself. Like sometimes I'm hard on myself about being hard on myself. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, oh my right. God, I was so hard on myself. Maybe I shouldn't be so hard on myself. But I think that's just part of my nature and to kind of just be like, that's who I am instead of like shaming myself. I think that yeah, that's really cool. And that's really, it gives me a lot of stress relief, I guess, to to know that that's just who I am. Right. Like when you read the description of six, like, you know, the breakdown of the Enneagram, when you do it, like she told you to, she told us to go on a certain website and we can put it in the notes, but it tells you, yeah, these are your fears. These are, you know, it breaks it down and it's so accurate. So 
it's just a good perspective, I think, to have on in life. And then I do love following her social, her Instagram page, because sometimes she'll do graphics like the uh, in a breakdown of what you're like, she'll give you maybe a scenario as an example for a post. And then it will say all the breakdowns of what type of depending on your type of Enneagram, like your response may be for that certain, um, certain thing. And it's so accurate. When I read it, I'm like, Oh my God, that's exactly how I would respond. Or that's exactly what I would say, um, or react. So it's, it's interesting how true the Enneagram is and how you can relate it to, to life. Um, yeah, like she did one, I'm looking several weeks ago and it says who you call when dot, dot, dot. And then type six says you need help thinking through possible outcomes. And then type eight, you need honest feedback on who you are as a person and where you should slash shouldn't be putting your energy. And I feel like that's so true for both of us. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's really cool. I think it's also really cool that I think a lot of people hear Enneagram and they think it's like astrology or Mm. they think it's like something with the stars and the moons and it's Mm -hmm. not. It's psychologists use this. It's a, it's a personality form of, you know, digging into like the human spirit and being like, what is this person? What are, what are they fearful of? What drives them? I think it's really cool to know too. Like if you have a spouse, if you have a sister, if you have a mom and dad, I think it's, it's important for you to know what they are. So you can kind of be like, oh, that's how they think. That's Mm -hmm. what they're expecting out of life. Like I'm really big about life expectations. I think sometimes you hear about people doing certain things and you're just like, I could never imagine. And then you look at their life expectations. And that's yeah. what, Steph, we talk about that all the time. Yeah, right. Some people right. don't have the life expectations that you want. People don't want to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like I laughed the other day because my husband and I, we love to travel when we can. And I am so obsessed with learning about different nationalities, different religions, different customs, different foods. I'm so obsessed with how different everyone in the world is and how you're just happen to be born into like, we just happen to be born into our families, right? It's really wild. It is wild. But then you meet people and they have no interest in that. Yeah. Like everyone's (laughs) so different with how they think and perceive certain things. Right. Right. And like Mm -hmm. they were born and they have a, they want a different outcome than what you want. And I think that that's a beautiful thing because stuff like our cousin Stacy says, like the world would be really boring if we were all alike. So true. And I think that if you can really dig in and like kind of learn about other people. I actually, oh, you know, I don't have it in front of me, but um, let me see if I can find it. Is it a quote? It's a quote actually from Anthony Bourdain. Oh, I got it. It's a quote from Anthony Bourdain who I really, really love. Um, But I thought that it was really good. Um, Well, he has so many. He has so many. Oh, yeah, here we go. Um, It's a long quote from Anthony Bourdain, the late Anthony Bourdain, who I really love. Um, So happy I found it so quickly. But basically, he talks about his rules of life. And it says, eat at a local restaurant tonight. Get the cream sauce. Right, stuff? Because like we wouldn't because it's like high calorie, right? Um, Have a cold pint at four o'clock in a mostly empty bar. Go somewhere you've never been. Listen to someone you think may have nothing in common with you. Order the steak rare. Eat an oyster, have a Negroni, maybe have two. 
Be open to a world where you may not understand or agree with the person next to you, but have a drink with them anyway. Eat slowly, tip your server, check in on your friends, check in on yourself and enjoy the ride of life. I love that. And I was like, isn't that true? Like Mm -hmm. sit with people you don't know and have nothing in common with. I know, (laughs) know? it's so true. Because we are all complex people and it's a really awesome world out there and you just have to kind of be open to meeting new people. And I think not to get, we're not into politics and all that stuff, but I think that even talking to people that you have nothing in common with in that area. Yeah. It's so it will broaden your mind mind. to be like, Oh wow. People think like this. Mm -hmm. Like it's important. It's important to read all different kinds and not just stay on your own path. And it's sometimes really hard too. It is. I know it's challenging can be at times. Well, like we said, we'll put all of Sarah Jane's notes, um, links in the notes section of this episode so you can follow her and just gain inspiration daily from her amazing Instagram posts. Um, and now it's time for question and answers. Daily, we get an array of questions from social media, comments, emails, and DMs. We thought it would be fun to bring these to our podcast. So we'll answer a few right now. And if you have any questions and you're listening, you can email us or DM us um, on Instagram, TikTok, our handles, how to be a redhead. Our email is h2h2, the number two, B-A-R podcast at gmail.com. So let's get right into it. We're going to be answering two questions on this podcast today. The first one is from Goldie on Instagram. And she DM'd us asking, can you do redhead beauty events again? It would be so Mm. cool to meet redheads post pandemic. And this is a question that we received a lot once a lot of the the bands um, have been lifted. You know, COVID is still around. But since, you know, we've come back to some normalcy in life, we have received this question because back in the day, we were throwing these redheaded beauty events. Adrian, I don't know if we ever will. Yeah. Maybe. Um, it's not in any plans for the future, but you never know. I know. I think that... When we did our last one, I mean, we toured for two years, 2015 and 2016. Mm -hmm. And in 2016, it was challenging for us because we had just started the H2 Bar Box. And so we were basically shipping out monthly boxes and touring um, and then running all the day-to-day stuff. So it was a lot. And we thought, we really need to concentrate on the brand. And then we actually started soon thereafter, like started to think about formulating our beauty line, which we have been focused on hardcore for like Mm -hmm, years and years. So um, I don't know. I think it would have to take Stephanie and I, um, I think we'd have to be in a sweet spot with our product development and to be able to do it. I do think we might do a few pop-up events right before COVID in 2020, in March of 2020, when it all went down, we had two events planned in Texas. We did. That's right. We had to cancel them. So Mm -hmm. I know that we we always want to dive in. I I always think like, wow, like when we get to like 50 SKUs, I'd love to do a, a beauty event and just focus on our products because when we were doing the events back then, we had sponsorships and we had all different brands, but it would mm-hmm. be really cool to have like makeup artists, hairstylists using our products yeah, and doing right. events. I think that would be like really, really super cool. So I have thought about it and we we we, we think about it, Stephanie and I here and there. So I do think if we see an opportunity, we will go for it. So yeah, now that we get these questions, um, I think it'd be really cool to do it. So we'll see. So stay tuned. We might share something in the future on social. 
And the second question is from Emily on Instagram. And she DM'd us asking and saying, I feel adopted in my family, even though I am not. No one looks like me. I am the only redhead. What advice can you Mm. give me? And this is a really, you know, question I think a lot of redheads um, can relate to, especially if you are the only redhead in your family. Maybe it can be challenging because no one, you know, relates to you being a redhead. Maybe it's... um, could also be that you're the only one in your family who sunburns and the rest of your family tans, or maybe, you know, the list can go on and on with ways that you don't, or maybe aren't relating to other members of your family and friends, really. Adrian and I both were the only redheads growing up and we were the only redheads in a group of friends. Um, I think that it's important to just, you know, lean on relatives in your family, for example, I'm focusing on family because this is Emily, you you talked about, you know, how you feel adopted in your family, but definitely talking to um, close relatives in your family, um, parents, guardians, whoever about how you're feeling, and then maybe having them, they aren't aware of certain, you know, if you are experiencing trials and tribulations being a redhead, um, you know, just, I think communication is really important. So making them aware of how you're feeling, maybe certain things that you're dealing with. Cause I think that will only help you. Right. Yeah. 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 I think so. I think so too. I think, um, I think we've given this, I think we've said this before, but in a previous episode, but I think too, like really maybe following a lot of redheads on social media Mm. would be really great. And yeah, seeing that like you are, I think everyone wants to be heard and everyone wants to feel like they're seen. So if you feel like there's so many other redheads in the world mm. and there's so many, like follow us, follow which she, well, she already is, but follow Sarah Jane. Um, there's so, yeah, follow Sarah Jane. Follow yeah. people who look like you and feel like you. And I usually don't encourage always being on social media, mm-hmm. but I think if you can control the people that you and I know Sarah Jane was saying that she actually controls her algorithm by you know by spending 20 30 minutes a week just kind of like spending time on videos so that the algorithm's like oh this is the video she likes so then you can find other beauty influencers or other people who are just normal redheads um in your life I think that that's really an important thing and I think too that you will find that it will be like a superpower for you because all of your hardships when you're super young you, it gives you strength when you're older. So if you're going through a period right now where you feel adopted, you don't feel seen, you're actually developing. You should, I think that this will give you power knowing that you're actually developing a strength in you to, to be used to feeling different. So that when you are in a workplace or you're in doing something as an adult, that when you have to do something outside of the box or you have to do something that's scary, you're probably going to be more prone to do it and to succeed at it because you've had all of those years where you felt different anyway. So I think if you turn everything into a positive, then it's worth it. And just know that you have that red hair for a reason. And also, I'm sure that there's thousands and thousands of people with your exact same story. So don't feel alone. Right? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> 100 yeah yeah 100 i was gonna leave it at that i episode. think so too but yeah. this has been such a fun episode and i've really enjoyed just talking about all of this with sarah jane 
and yeah, it's just been it's just been really cool. So yeah, just keep bringing in your questions because we love to answer them. Yes, and give her a follow. Want to help us spread the news about the Had to Be a Redhead brand in this podcast? Please give us a five-star review and tell your friends, redheads, and everyone else to subscribe. You can listen to this podcast directly on our website, on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to look at the podcast notes to find links with everything we mentioned and so much more. Rock it like a redhead. redhead.